two weeks ago, we talked about loving relationships. And we said how loving relationships move us and others out of isolation and into community. And they move us beyond the surface and toward depth and honesty and away from safety and toward generosity. That's what honest, loving relationships do. And we talked about how our relationship with Jesus Christ defines all the other relationships in our life. What if you as a woman got married to a guy and the guy says, I'm going to dictate who your friends are and I'm going to dictate how long you spend with them and what goes on between you and them. You wouldn't want to be in that relationship for very long. Or how about if you as a guy got married to a woman and that woman said, I'm going to dictate all your relationships and I'm going to tell you who to hang out with and who not to. You wouldn't want to hang out with that woman for very long, right? But it's different with Jesus. See, Jesus defines all the other relationships in our lives because he is paramount. Remember we read that verse? If you don't hate your mother and hate your father and your brother, if it's not as though you hated them in your relation in comparison to me, then you cannot be my disciple. You can't follow me. So all our relationships are defined by our relationship with Jesus. And this is the call to discipleship. This is the call to be a follower of Jesus. Now, I was thinking this morning that what does it mean to be saved by grace and live by grace on the one hand? So that's good news, right? That's good news. We're saved by God giving us something we don't deserve, and we live by that. So we live in the forgiveness and in the love of God. But at the same time, we declare ourselves to be a disciple, a fully devoted follower of a guy who says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. What does it mean to be a follower of the man who says that, the God-man, Jesus, who said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. So Christianity isn't the happy fun time, right, where we're just, oh, everything's so wonderful, I'm a Christian. No, it's not really that. I mean, everything's wonderful from a certain perspective, but sometimes the call to discipleship and the call to pick up our cross and to follow him isn't happy, fun, wonderful. It's the call to discipleship. It's the call to sacrifice. It's the call to surrender. It's the call to give up. It's the call to the other and not to yourself. So as we're talking about service this morning, that's really interesting. That God would want us to not be served, but to serve. That is not our culture, by the way. That is not our culture. I was sharing with, we were sharing with some folks last night on our honeymoon. We ordered a pizza, and we went to the place to pick up the pizza. And we ordered a pepperoni pizza. We're from New York. We ordered a pepperoni pizza. How you doing? And so, so I get, we get there, and they, they show us our pizza, and they're not charging us extra for this, but there's 
pe- there's some um, pineapple on it. There's these chunks of pineapple. Now this is 31 years ago. We'd never heard of pineapple on pizza. So we get this pineapple and we just, but they didn't charge us for the pineapple. No charge, no charge for the pineapple. So we paid for the pizza and we left. We got back to our motel room and we, we picked off the pineapple pieces. And I set them aside because I like pineapple, but not on my pizza. Now it's gross, it's sick on pizza. All the pineapple juice mixed with the sauce. I don't care about the sweet swine stuff. It's not right. It's not right. So here's my point. Today, today if that happened, would I take the pizza home? I wouldn't take the pizza home. You make me another one. Put another pizza pie in that oven. Get another one. I demand service because that's our culture. We're to be served, right? We are to be served. We are to be pleased because we're the consumer. Our culture does not teach us that we've come to serve, but to be served. And so being a follower of Jesus is switching it around. So today, the life of the church, part five, practicing love through service, is an introductory thought, loving service, moves our focus away from ourselves and toward others. Away from ourselves. And it moves our focus to the other. This happened, by the way, last weekend in Las Vegas. You saw in that group of people you saw people, probably many who were apart from Christ, but made in the image of God, move away from their own needs and toward people who were in dire need. And see, the image of God on us is so strong that you don't even have to be a Christ follower to in a crisis, to in a crisis, go back to the, what was made inside of you and to reach out and help somebody else disregarding your own needs. But that's what loving service does. So how much more? How much more a proclaimed follower of Jesus should move away from their own needs and toward the needs of others? Loving service moves us outside of our comfort zone, often into a place where we're, where we're uncomfortable. We don't want to be. It's called sacrifice. And loving service moves us away from worldliness and toward Christ-likeness. Now, worldliness is really, it's essentially a dedication to self. Worldliness is where I focus on myself. It's all about me. So this side over here where we're talking about love, a life of love says Jesus is Lord. A life that's based on self says I am Lord. And when I am Lord, all kinds of worldliness can come out. So worldliness isn't just, you know, drinking and gambling and premarital sex and all that stuff, that's not necessarily, okay, that stuff is, isn't good and it's sin, but worldliness starts in here. It starts when I decide it's all about me, that the self is going to be on the throne, that's when worldliness happens. When we're motivated by self, this center box of service over here, it turns into image. It turns into us us acting out of duty and acting out of obligation and us saying, okay, I'm going to do this so that I look good. I'm going to do this because I look good to everybody else if I do this. If I come forward, so Wednesday night, Londa reminded me this morning, Wednesday night I walked around and I ended up, I guess over here somewhere. I still don't know this place that well. And I ended up with five-year-olds, this table of five-year-olds. And I helped So was I there helping because I loved the five-year-olds and the poor 
fractured souls that were trying to work with them? <laughs> or, was, or was I there helping because it looked good that I was there helping? I thought about that, and I'm not sure why I was there. Let's be honest. Let's just be honest. This is something we struggle with. Because self is so strong. We're still in the flesh. Self is so strong that I had, I had to actively think in my head, okay, these five-year-olds, I'm here to love these five-year-olds. I'm not here because, oh, Pastor Jeff is helping five-year-olds. Isn't he such a wonderful person? I want to admit to you, I struggle with that stuff. And you know what? If you were to be honest, you struggle with some of that stuff too. We do. We struggle with it. So this idea of self versus love, it's, it's a battle that we engage in, I think, all the time. So this morning we're going to talk about loving service, and I just picked three things. I, we could talk about service and the lesson of the life of Jesus when it comes to servanthood and being a servant to others. We could talk about that all day. I got three things quickly. Number one, love, loving service is love-driven. It's driven by love. Because without love, we're empty. We're empty and our service is going to run out really fast without love. So in John 3.16, God himself shows us that he himself was driven by love. Now, it, not that love was some outside source that he procured and that was what fueled him to serve. He is love, right? His essence is love. God himself is love. And it says here in John 3.16, we all know it. For God so loved that he gave. His love fueled and drove his actions toward us. His loving service toward us was driven by his love. We know this verse, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What does the cross demonstrate? It demonstrates God's love for us. So his love sent him to the cross. Nothing short of love, and let's just say it, we get all of our love from God. We get all of our love from God. And I think perhaps, perhaps as redeemed people, as new creations, he allows us to possess our own love, still from him, but our own love. As we practice love, he gives us more. And whether he gives it to us or we're able to like create some of it, I don't know, that's splitting hairs, I suppose. But it's love that drives us to serve. Without love, we won't serve for very long, and while we're doing it, we won't do it very well. In Galatians chapter 5, which, by the way, is an excellent letter. You ought to read all six chapters. It would take you about 12 minutes. Um, we're just looking at a little snippet. I don't like snippets. And when we're done with this series, and uh, right after the Christmas series, we're going to go to a book. And we're going to be working, working through a book, through chunks of Scripture, Scripture is meaty and chewy, and it's good, and it's nutritious. Oh, sorry. But anyway, we're going to get, we're going to start chewing on chunks of Scripture. But here's a little snippet. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, the self. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And then look what it says. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. That is an option, even for believers. 
It's an option. We can bite and devour one another. Oh, we've, some of us, of us have experienced it. And we wonder if the one biting and devouring us is actually a believer. But believers can actually bite and devour one another. And Paul is saying, don't do it. Earlier in this chapter, Paul says that, uh, that circumcision and uncircumcision, works of the law, are nothing. The only thing that counts is faith, help me, through love. Is faith, uh, what's the word? Expressing, thank you. Is faith expressing itself through love. That's the only thing that counts. And then he says here, to serve one another humbly in love. Later on, Galatians 5, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit being love. So love-driven is what loving service is made of. By the way, P.S., this is who we are in Christ. It's who we are as new creations. If we're in Christ, if we're in Christ, we are people who love and people who serve out of love. We're redeemed through love. We're filled with love. We're motivated by love. When we get our, identi- our identity from Christ, a lot of the issues and a lot of the problems that, we're, that we suffer with, they'll, they'll kind of go away. When we find our identity in Jesus Christ, he's the healer. He's the fulfiller. He's the completer. When our identity is in him, we see ourselves for how he sees us as wonderful, redeemed, righteous people whom he loves. And that really helps us. So it's important to know who we are in Christ. Number two, loving service is Jesus-centered. We're part of his body. A few weeks ago, I was here, and we talked about that value. Um, Without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can accomplish nothing. If you remember that message in the middle of July, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, were the snippet for that value. And we looked at verses 1 through 5 instead of 4 and 5. And then we backed up to 1 Corinthians 1, and we looked at the first chapter. And then we hopscotched through the book, and we kind of looked and we saw that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes to God's people when they are in unity, when they are together, when they love each other, when they're unified the way Jesus prayed that we would be unified in John chapter 17. And so this passage is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Paul is teaching us how we are together as believers. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We serve because together we form the body of Christ. It's, it's Jesus-centered. Loving service has got to be Jesus-centered. When we're serving, we're the body of Christ. We're Jesus in the world. We're the king, bringing the kingdom from heaven to earth. And Jesus is with us. Wherever two or three are gathered, there I am in the, in the middle of it. So together, when, when we're serving, we're Jesus' body. We're, we are his hands and feet. And we're one body. We're one body. And this is who we are in Christ. One body, all connected, interdependent. We need one another. All serving and following the same head. There's only one head on the body, 
and that head is Jesus. It reminds me of what John Stumble calls us as the Alliance, a Christ-centered Acts 1-8 family. So our service, loving service, is fueled by love, and it's Jesus-centered, and thirdly, it's spirit-empowered. It's spirit-empowered because we're gifted to serve. So Jesus took off, and he said, when I leave, I'm going to send my spirit. And Paul wrote that the spirit of Christ is inside of each of us. And in 1 Corinthians 12, that same chapter, earlier in the chapter, Paul wrote this, there are different kinds of gifts. The same spirit distributes them, the same one. So we're going to leave here this afternoon, and some of you are going to go to work tomorrow. And your boss isn't my boss. You know, my boss is in Omaha. He's at the district office. He's in charge of me. He and the elders of this church. So if if there's something wrong with me, they'll smack it out of me, or they'll vote to get me out of here, and you won't see me anymore. But they're my boss. But my bosses aren't your boss. And And your boss isn't that person's boss. We all have different bosses. And we're given job descriptions, and we're given things to do, and standard operating procedure. But that's not the same thing in the church. In the church, we all have one boss. We all have one who assigns us jobs to do, and that is the Holy Spirit. We all have one who does the training. We all have one who's the head of HR in this body of Christ. That's the Holy Spirit. He's the one that gives us the gift. He's the one that decided, I'm not going to sing on the platform. You know, he's the one that decided, I'm not going to crunch numbers and handle all the minute details in the office. He's the one that decided you would do some of those things. See, he gifts us and he fits us for the work of the body. So it's Holy Spirit empowered. And again, this is who we are in Christ. We're gifted by the Spirit. We're empowered by the Spirit. We're on mission with the Spirit. And without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can accomplish nothing. So loving service is love-driven, Jesus-centered, and Spirit-empowered. And has got to come out of love. So where do you serve? And are you served? Are you, are, is your serving fueled by love? Or is there some other motivation for why you do what you do? Now, I'm going to invite Londa to come up. Londa, where are you? Are you over? Oh, you're right there. You're right in the middle. Now, oh, this slide's so much better. In the first service, I popped four giblets lifting this thing up. You can't imagine how heavy this is. Nobody told me it would slide so easily. Bo, you just told me to pick it up and move it back. You wanted me to suffer. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm working on it. So, Londa, oh, thank you. Welcome. Have a seat. So one of the principles of serving is that it doesn't happen. One of the church principles, it doesn't happen just in this building. People that think that all the ministry goes on in the building, that's not, that's not good. It's not good for me to think that. It's not good for you to think that. We serve wherever we are. We're in all different places all week. Where You serve at your job. That's your number one ministry if that's where you spend the most time at your job, in your schoolroom, wherever you spend the most time, that's where your ministry is. That's where God has placed you. But you all gave money some time ago and worked hard and created this place on a hill, this location, this building. And it turns out we got a lot of kids who come here in the middle of the week. 
in the middle of the week. So, Londa, you are the children's ministry person. You are the one that we all do this to when it comes to... I'm the one people avoid in the hallway. Avoid in the hallway, yeah. Oh, no, it's Londa. Go the other way. So, Londa, I asked her to come up because you told me that there's a lot of kids on Wednesday nights. How did you say it to me earlier? I asked you if they're like... Is it like, because I haven't been here, so I don't have any contacts, but apparently things are going well on Wednesday nights. They are. Uh, from the nursery to fifth grade, which is the age of kids that I cover, we had about 140 this past week, a little more than, I think. And that doesn't include Pastor Jason's junior high crowd of about 75 kids. Okay. So over yeah, 200. Yeah. <clears throat> so if you clap, you've just volunteered. Thank you for volunteering. You put your hands together to volunteer. Amen. Um, Londa, why is it important that, that we serve out of love? Why do we need loving service on a Wednesday night with all of these sticky-fingered little crumb crunchers? Disciple-making starts with love, I think. Okay. This year we've gone down uh, small groups. We want to keep around five kids per small group, and that requires a lot of small group leaders when you talk about the number of kids that we have. So it all starts with love. If we're going to do for a few, we're going to love on those few people in front of us. So this past Wednesday night, um, I showed up, and, and I, I noticed that I walked in that room with the five-year-olds, and there was a table with... How, however many five... I think we had 19 kindergartners at that table when you walked okay. up. So. Yeah, and they were doing this craft thing. And so I just... I walked in just kind of looking, hoping I'd find a spot where I could... Because I'm a little out of place, right, on a Wednesday night. Hope, hoping I could find a spot where I could help. You started sweating rather quickly. So I you did. did. I, it was so yeah. warm and humid in there. It's dripping. <laughs> and, um, but you... You had... It was a good night, but you had a little bit of a tough night. So explain that a little bit. Yeah, so... On any given week, it doesn't work for leaders to be there, which is a perfectly normal problem. Don't let that keep you from leading. But at that last minute then, Eric Wycliffe broke his wrist, and so he stepped aside. And I was already going to help my husband in kindergarten. So I took over kindergarten with Parker and Ashley and sent Jason to that other group. So that left, yeah, 19 kids, which is not, you know, the five that we hoped for. But that happens. And you were fine with that. Oh, yeah. You were just fine. You weren't stressed <laughs> at all? Not stressed at all, no. Not at all? No. Okay, well. She's lying. No. So here, you know, if you're a nurse, how many, do we have, have any nurses in here? Nurses? Okay, some nurses. I have some nurses in my family. They get the angriest when they cannot provide care to their patients. When they have too many patients, there's not enough coverage and they can't care for these poor people that they're there to help. And I know that that would be your concern on a Wednesday night that you've got these kids and you want to have, and you've worked hard to have enough people to care for these kids. Talk to us for just, for just a minute about the 414 window. 414 window is that age group, age 4 to 14, where most people accept Christ. So I, I think it's like 85% of us accept Christ between the ages of 4 and 14, which is what makes children's ministry so important in the church. Okay, so how about y'all? How, how many of you trusted Christ between 4 and 14? Age 4 and 14. 
Yeah, see, look at all the hands. Um, I, oh, that was me. And I was glad that in my town there were people who cared about children's ministry. So we're here on a Sunday morning, and there's a lot of folks that come on a Sunday morning. And there's a lot of folks that come on a, su- on a Wednesday night, too. A lot of adults, but a lot of kids and a lot of teenagers. So it's not the only time for ministry at the church, really. The biggest time for ministry is wherever you are during the week. You need to see that as you're the body of Christ ministering where you are all week. But if you're not doing anything on Wednesday night and you just like didn't know, you can come like, for instance, like what might you have them do on a Wednesday night? And we could have brought Jason up here, the same thing. The only thing is he would have stole the show from me, so I kept him off the platform for right now. But uh, a lot of, like for instance, what type of things could they help with? Uh, all giftings we could use. So if you love littles, by all means, I want you to come and serve in a small group. If that's not your gifting, but you're a great cook, we, I don't know if you're aware, but we serve, last week it was over 40, 40 to 45 kids that come in on our van ministry and we feed them before programming ever begins. I think four times a year we feed everybody, but every week we're feeding a group of people. If prayer is your thing, I would love to for you to be here to pray with the kids. We have a parent team that will love on parents in the coffee house. And this year we also have a leader team that loves on leaders when they have spare time as well. So if you just love to talk, I could use greeters when people come in the door to direct them where they need to go. We have a worship team. We have a wonderful storytelling team telling Old Testament stories to the kids this year. So lots of places that you can give. And we have kids that... And I just learned in the first service, by the way, how many kids we actually have here on a Wednesday night. I guess I've never asked the question, but we have uh, kids that don't go to church anywhere that show up here on a Wednesday night. Yeah. I'm just going to give you rough estimates that out of those 200 kids that we have, I would say half of them probably come here. That other 100, I would say half of those kids probably go to a different church in town, but half of them, I would say, go nowhere. So I think I've given out 20 Bibles to kids this year that didn't have a Bible, so when they go to small group time, they wouldn't be able to open it up. I know, that's amazing. So kids need to, you know, we start in Genesis, so there are kids that come in the door that have never been to church before, that don't know how to pray, and that couldn't tell you, they couldn't tell you how to find anything in the Bible. So, yeah, we're doing big things. So now that I've thrown Bo under the bus... And Jason, I only have John left. Now, this past Wednesday night, I was standing right over here, and something happened that I've never seen in church before. And some of you were here and saw it. Some of you weren't. Um, Rather than describe it, uh, Paul came up to me between the services and said, I do have it on video. Would you like me to show it? Should I give you background? well, yeah, let, let's let Lana give the background, and uh, it's somewhat... Because it was relevant, what he did. Okay, it's a little sacrilegious, yeah. but yeah. don't hold it against <laughs> Pastor John. So I'm going to say this was Pastor Jason's idea. But him and I were talking about how to talk to the kids about Operation Christmas Child. So we kicked that off this morning. You'll learn a lot more about it next week, how you can get involved. But we think that the kids could... We could fill 500 boxes. But we can't do that without a body. So... Pastor Jason and I were talking, and we decided the best way to do it would be to show kids that God can 
do a lot with our little. So we started talking about littles. And uh, one box, okay, so we used the baptismal fountain here. We filled it, a baptismal pool. Is that what yeah. you call it? Yeah. So I threw an item in the box to show that by myself, you know, I could probably fill one to five boxes maybe. If I got a few small groups involved, I threw something bigger. It was a little bit bigger splash, but we, we were brainstorming. How could we make a giant splash? How, what does 500 boxes look like to a kid? So that's where Pastor John came in. So Pastor John came running to the fountain and cannonballed into the baptismal fountain. Cannon, cannonballed. He did. He'll do anything for kids. Let it, let it roll, Paul. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> That's great. Now, I could never do that. Not, it's not because the baptistry isn't big enough, which it isn't, but I just, I would never, I could never pull that off. So let's, John, are you in, Pastor John, are you, are you in here? Pastor John? Oh, you're up. Let's give him a hand. He's up top. Yes. But he did it for the children and to make, uh, to, to make a, an illustration, to, uh, to make an impact to show what we could do. So, Londa, make your pitch to those who just are sitting around and don't have anything to do on a Wednesday night. Join us if you love to organize chaos, as we all do that already serve here. I don't know if that sounds offensive thing to say, but when you walk in the door on a Wednesday night and kids are running around this the sanctuary space. It can feel a little bit crazy, but there's a purpose. We love our games. Uh, we love our Bible time. Small group time this year, I think, has been really good when uh, a leader could love on a much smaller group. But if, if you feel God tugging at your heart, just come to me. I'm not going to ask you to do something that you don't feel called to do, something that you haven't been gifted in. But there's definitely a place for everyone. So how many years ago were you that seven or eight-year-old kid just learning about Jesus. Well, that many years from now, some of these kids that are in here on Wednesday nights are going to be out living a life for God, raising a family for God, working in a job and being a light for Jesus Christ, or serving in some capacity around the world because of their time here and because of those of you who invest in their lives. So for those of you who are who are doing it right now on Wednesday nights, and that, that's just Wednesday nights. We've got a lot of you doing all kinds of ministry here and off the property, and it's phenomenal. But for those of you who are doing it on Wednesday nights right now, thank you. Londa thanks you. And there's room for more. Come on in. The water is nice and warm, as you could see. So thank you. And Londa, thank you for what you do and for your heart and care for our kids. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the work that you're doing here uh, with children. On Sunday mornings, in Sunday school, and in the nurseries, we have people who give of their time and of their heart to love children. And Lord Jesus, you said that unless we would come to you like a little child, that we could not enter the kingdom of God. 
And uh, Lord, I, I thank you for the kids that are here on Sundays. I thank you for the kids that are here on Wednesdays. And just the opportunity we have to, to fill their hearts with the truth of the gospel. And I pray that you would help us to continue moving in that direction because all of us are getting older and we're moving on. And there's a whole crowd of young people that are coming, coming in and coming of age. And as we train them and grow them and disciple them, give our hearts and our lives to them, they're the church of Jesus Christ. And they're going to be serving and doing things in this world that would blow our minds were we to know. So we thank you for that. I pray that you bless Londa and Jason and their family and just the good work that they're doing. And uh, Jason and Adrienne, as they work with our, with our student ministry, God, I pray that you would uh, bless them and all of their volunteer teams. And thank you for the opportunity to serve, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.